1: And And the problem with so many of us is that we walk by sight and not by faith. See, Elijah's got to learn this. You don't stand in the midst of of hundreds of false prophets without knowing that the Word of God is true. And you believe the Word of God, and that's what we need if we're to have a, a public, effective ministry.
0: How much do you trust the Bible to actually be the Word of God? Do you waffle around certain passages that you don't understand? It's easy to say, we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, but to really apply it to life situations is a different matter. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we are in part three of the message, Graduate School at Zarephath. As we continue looking at the life and times of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 17 as Pastor Steve leads us in this lesson on faith.
1: Now we move from humility, now we move into the lesson on faith. See, now Elijah is faced with a situation in which he must either choose to believe God or believe the circumstances. And this is all part of God's training. So we move from humility to the lesson on faith. Look at verse 13 and 14. Now, I, really, I would have responded by probably being depressed, but not Elijah. He said in verse 13, Then Elijah said to her, Don't fear. Go. Do as you've said, but make me a little bread cake from it first, and bring it out to me, and afterwards you may make one for yourself and for your son. You say, well, isn't he selfish? No. No, he's not. Because he's, God says he's going to take care of him. And look at verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. This is why you're to do it, woman. This is what he's saying. The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. The prophet spoke with such boldness because he believed the word of God. Listen, Elijah didn't look at the circumstances like I would have. Elijah didn't look at the circumstances around him. He trusted God's promise that he would sustain him. God said, I'm going to provide for you by a poor widow. And Elijah, in essence, is saying, I believe the word of the Lord, in spite of what things look like. And the problem with so many of us is that we walk by sight and not by faith. See, Elijah's got to learn this. You don't stand in the midst of of hundreds of false prophets without knowing that the word of God is true and you believe the word of God. And that's what we need if we're to have a a public, effective ministry. See, we're not to go through life just reacting to our environment. That's what so many of us do. We react to our environment environment rather than depending on the word of God. If we're around nervous people, we get nervous. We react to that. We're around critical people. We get critical. We're around fearful people. We get fearful. We're just being influenced by our environment. But not Elijah. He was in the company of a fearful, panic-stricken woman. Elijah was not the prettiest sight, you must understand. His lips were probably cracked. He was called, he'll be called in chapter 18, uh, a hairy man. Uh, Maybe it's chapter 19, a hairy man. He was a unique-looking individual. Must have been fearful to this woman. Also, she's got a little boy. He needs to eat. She needs to eat. She was afraid. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. Why? Why wasn't Elijah afraid? Because his faith was in the word of God, not circumstances. See, this is how God prepares us for that unique ministry he has for us. He puts us in situations where we have to make a choice between believing his word or believing what we see. And this is how faith is developed, through a series of of challenges and choices. It's, it's just a matter of making the right choices. See, faith is a growing thing. And God puts us in a variety of circumstances to develop that faith. And once you, once you have a lesson here, he gives you another one here, another one here. Elijah had, by the brook, every day he had to trust God to bring in the food by the ravens and that the brook would, would flow with water. He's learned one lesson there, but now it becomes a little more difficult. A starving widow. And God does that with you and he does that with me. The the lessons become a little more difficult. Faith becomes a a little more difficult. God doesn't set you out in a hard test to begin with. Just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. He says, walk by faith, walk by faith. And the deeper you go with the Lord, the deeper the tests become and the lessons become. How does that apply to us? You know, there are some of you who are discouraged concerning your ministry. You're involved in, in a ministry. God's put something on your heart in accord with his word. And all you can see is the circumstances. You need to go back to that time where the Lord really put that on your heart. You need to remember his direction. You need to remember that still, small voice of God as He as he impressed upon your spirit what he wanted you to do, and then you just do it, regardless of how bad things look. Regardless of how discouraged the circumstances might get you, you need to, re- you need to remember that you focus on, on Christ, on his word, and not on circumstances. Circumstances will absolutely depress you. They will absolutely defeat you. But this is how God teaches us to trust his word. And I thank God for the difficulties that I've had in my ministry. Short ministry, but uh, filled with difficulties. And I'm sure that's true of anyone in the past trip. But I thank God for that because they've helped me to rely on his word rather than circumstances. And I I remember in the very early days of my ministry really getting rattled by circumstances. Uh, Occasionally that still happens. But I see and I'm encouraged that it doesn't happen as much. Because I'm learning to trust the word of God and not what I see or what I don't see. See, otherwise you'll be constantly discouraged by sight. Faith looks at God who controls everything, not the circumstances and when you believe god 's Word, what do you do? You act upon it. You act upon it and that 's what elijah did. he said don't panic, make me some bread first, then make some for you and your son and she listened to him. She must have known that the Word of God was was here she she must have either been a believer or close to being a believer in the Lord God of israel, even in even in the center of Baal worship Verses. 15 and 16. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Dr. J. Vernon McGee in his commentary on 1st King says this. He says, You know Elijah and that widow woman stuck their heads down in the empty flour barrel every day and sang the doxology. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. One day the music stopped. The singing stops. The singing stopped one day in their life. Things were going along just wonderful. And then it happened. God gave Elijah a test. It's a test I'm sure for the woman as well, but I think primarily for Elijah. Test to see if he had learned his lessons of humility and his lesson of faith. We might call this Elijah's final exam. See, the lessons have been on humility and faith, so the final exam only has two questions, and that's on humility and faith. Verse 17, here's the day the music stopped. Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick, and his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. It doesn't mean he had a respiratory problem. It means he died. Great tragedy for this poor widow. And in her anguish, she does what many people would do and do in similar circumstances. She lashes out at Elijah, verse 18. So she said to Elijah, What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come, you have come to bring to, to my iniquity, to remembrance, and to put my son to death. She does a very human thing. If you've ever been... In a situation like that, you know about people who lash out. She is angry. She is upset. She is holding her little son who is dead close to her. She's crying. She's in deep sorrow, but she is also mad. She's resentful and she's angry that her son has been taken from her. She has no one else. She's a widow, but she has this boy. And here's the prophet of God before her. And he becomes her whipping boy. He becomes the scapegoat. She blames her child's death on him. She falsely accuses Elijah of being sent by God to punish her for some past sin. What it was, we don't know. Now, Elijah is faced with a test. Is he going to defend himself? Or is he going to protect the reputation of God? You see, in, in saying, O oh, man of God, she is really indicting the Lord. I'm being a cruel God. What's Elijah going to do? I'll tell you what I would have done. This is not the spiritual thing to do, but I probably, in that situation, would have said, do you know who you're talking to? I said, "Would well, you know who you're talking to? Yeah, and you don't know what you're talking about. After all, you've been living these last few months because of me, my presence here. You don't know what you're talking about. I would have defended myself, I'm sure. Not Elijah. He didn't. And we'll see what he does in a moment. But what do you do when you're falsely accused? See, that's the test of humility. What do you do when you're falsely accused? Defend yourself? Argue with someone? Try to justify yourself? Try to explain things? See, unjust criticism is all part of a public ministry. When you get out of the the private ministry or private schooling into a public ministry, you are vulnerable to any kind of attack, and most of it is unjust criticism. And if you spend your time defending yourself, it's only evidence that your pride has been hurt and wounded, and you just aren't humble enough to just walk away and, and defend God rather than yourself. But Elijah, thank God, did learn humility, so he doesn't protect his reputation, instead he protects the reputation of God. She only sees God as one who has taken her child in death, not as the one who has graciously been providing for her all this time. Elijah's concerned only for the reputation of the Lord God of Israel, not his own. So here's what he does. Look at verses 19 through 21. And he said to her, give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. And he called to the Lord and said, "O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing your son to die? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's life return to him. What a picture of humility. I don't know if you realize this, but in the law of Moses, specifically Leviticus 21, 1 through 4, God said that the corpse of strangers shouldn't be touched only by relatives, not by strangers. But in touching this boy's dead body, Elijah was humbly indicating to the widow his love and his concern for her and her son, in spite of the fact that she had just falsely accused him. This is a great picture of gentleness. It's a great picture of humility. It says, I don't care what you say about me. I'll touch this boy. It's the only relatives were to do that. Elijah puts his pride aside and he physically touches the body of this dead boy, Great act of humility, and he does it to let the widow know that the God of Israel is one who loves that boy, loves who one who cares for that boy, and one who is good. The very heart of God is good, not cruel, but good. Now it's time for Elijah's second test on his final exam, and one flows right into the other. Picture of humility. What's he going to do? Defend himself, but he doesn't. Verse twenty-one read the three times he laid himself out on that boy. Why three times? I don't know. I don't know. But I would imagine that, and not more than imagine, I know this to be the case, that God put it on his heart. God laid it upon Elijah's heart to do this. He stretched himself out on that dead corpse and he prayed. Verse 21, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's life return to him. And it must have happened that it didn't return. And he got up. And he must have paced around the prophet's room. And he, and he stretched himself out again. And he prayed, Lord, let the boy's life return. And it didn't. But he believed God because God had put it on his heart. And he got up again. And he did it a third time. And the Bible says the life was returned. Verse 22, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him. And he revived. So why is this such a great lesson, a test of faith? Listen, in all of the word of God, before this time, there has never been any record of God raising the dead to life. This is the first time ever that it's happened. Elijah doesn't, doesn't understand about the resurrection of Christ Elijah's never, never known about Lazarus who will be raised from the dead. Elijah doesn't know. He believes God. God put it on his heart. It's not in the word of God, but God put it on his heart. And he believed God. You know, this has to link up with what James says in James chapter five. We usually speak of James as being or, or of as only praying that rain uh, would not come. But James 5 says, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. James is talking about a unique situation for somebody who's sick. But then he says, therefore confess your sins one to another, pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And then he mentions Elijah, and I believe you have to link that together. Elijah's prayer was a prayer of faith. You think you have a hard time believing God for something. Here's a little dead boy. And you don't have anything in the record of the word of God which says God's going to do it. But he believed God. God who provided for him by the brook and who provided for him with the meal could take care of this dead boy. He's passed the test. What an act of faith. Asking for something that hadn't been previously recorded in all of human history. Something that was new for mankind. And God answered his prayer. And with it, you know what happened? God was glorified and he was honored. Look at verse 23. Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, see, your son is alive. He didn't say, look what I've done. See, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth that's in your mouth is true. And in the Hebrew language, it's now I know beyond any question that you're really a man of God. No questions. Elijah passed his final exam with flying colors, and the result was that this Gentile woman either became a believer in the Lord God of Israel, or her faith was deepened and matured as a result of Elijah's ministry. Now, don't, don't go yet. We'll be finished soon. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. You say, how can you say that the woman now became a believer? Maybe she just recognized that, that Elijah was a man of God. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, little verse that's tucked away in the end of your New Testament says this. this chapter 11 is God's hall of fame for heroes. Heroes of the faith. Men and women who believe God. Verse 35 says this. Women received back their dead by resurrection women received back their dead by resurrection there is no question who he's referring to he's referring to this case he's referring to a case where Elisha who takes his place will have an opportunity to raise someone back from the dead what are we saying Elijah's faith became contagious maybe that woman heard him praying maybe he explained what he was going to do I don't know But somehow, in all of her anguish, she believed. By faith, she received her son back. His faith, Elijah's faith, became contagious and his ministry had a profound impact on her. Which is obvious when she calls him a man of God. That doesn't mean you just follow the Lord uh, in, in the sense of believing. That means you experientially live out the truths that you say you believe. You're a man of God. You represent God. You're the servant. He's the master. Now, what do we say from this? Let me put this together. Before you and I can have an effective public ministry, you've got to prove the genuineness of your testimony to those closest to you. That's right. Elijah did. She recognized him as a man of God, and she believed That doesn't mean everybody you're close to is going to believe, but they need to recognize the genuineness of your testimony, whether they agree with it or not. Those closest to you must see you as a woman of God, as a man of God. Before you ever can have a public effective ministry, God's going to train you in private, and he's going to let people observe you. If your testimony can't stand up under their daily observation it won't stand up in public if those closest to you don't see you as a man or a woman of god then you don't have much of a ministry that doesn't mean they're going to think you're perfect they're not they're going to see you with all your faults but they're going to see you they need to see you as one who has integrity one who has the intent of doing what's right Before you can take on the Ahabs and the Jezebels and the false prophets of this world, the Lord has to crush you and he has to refine you and test you by those who know you best. I wonder if you're passing that test. Those in your family, those at work, what do they see in you? You want to have a public ministry? Let the Lord use those around you and the circumstances to crush you and refine you. Elijah passes. Passes with flying colors. He gets an A-plus from me, which really doesn't matter what I give him. It's really what's, what's important, is what the Lord gives him. Now he's ready to face his ministry. He's graduated from Bible school. He's graduated from seminary. He's ready to take on his ministry. How about you? Have you learned lessons? Have you learned humility? What's, what's, your, what's your life? Do you need the, more in teaching about humility, more teaching about faith? Listen. God wants to use you greatly. I assure you that from the authority of the word of God, let him mold you. Don't fight him. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Let him use you. Let him use other people to crush you. Learn lessons of faith. Don't look at the circumstances. Look to the word of God and believe it. And I say this, if you don't know Christ as your savior, the two lessons of humility and faith come together at salvation. Because Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must admit your need for Christ, and you must trust him as the one who died for your sins. Let's bow for prayer. I don't know where you're at in your life, but God does. Is he crushing you? Remember what we said at the beginning. When God wants to do an impossible task, he takes an impossible man and crushes him. You and I are those impossible people. And because of that, God must crush us. Don't run from it. Don't retreat. Greet the trials as coming from the Lord and let him mold you. Let him teach you those lessons. And he'll use you in such a way that it's exceedingly above all that we could think or ask. And dear friend, if you don't know Christ, I invite you to come up after the service. Speak to one of our counselors And get some direction on how you can put your trust in the Savior. Father, pray that you'll use this. We thank you for the graduate school that we've been able to sit in on. We thank you for the lessons you've taught Elijah so many years ago. And we thank you that it's so relevant for us. You're teaching us these things day by day. Lord, help us individually to learn humility. To learn that we're nothing. Lord, help us to trust your word, not circumstances, not what we see or what we don't see, not the results, but to trust your word. And Lord, we recognize when that final exam comes, help us to pass. May those around us, Father, those closest to us, recognize that we are men and women of God. Certainly not perfect, but men and women who desire with all of our hearts to submit and follow the Lord Jesus Christ in humility and in faith pray this in his
0: name amen thank you for joining us in today's class if we can be of any further help please don't hesitate to call or email us the phone number is 727-239-0306 our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org and our website is versebyverseradio all one word dot o-r-g You can download today's study there, or any of the hundreds of messages available to you, free of charge. You may order a single CD or cassette with the entire message on it when you contact us. Today's study is from the message Graduate School at Zarephath. The entire series of eight messages on Elijah can also be yours. Ask for the series on Elijah from 1 Kings 17. If the Lord burdens you to help support this ministry financially, we would love to hear from you. Contributions can be made by phone, on the website, or by mail. That phone number once again is 727-239-0306. The website is versebyverseradio.org. On our next Verse by Verse program, Pastor Steve will be discussing another interesting aspect of the life of Elijah, how to handle a crisis. Be sure to join us. I'm your announcer, Jerry Putin. We are here to give you strength between